0: Hey, this is Zac Efron, and you're listening to The Stupid Cancer Show.
1: I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head.
2: built a time machine, out of a DeLorean.
0: This is the stupid
3: cancer show. Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the (laughs) Mundus.
2: Hello there, children.
1: Hey, hey, kids. <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm
4: rarely late. And now, the host of the stupid cancer show, Annie Goodman and Matthew Zachary. Nothing is anything wrong
1: with us.
0: Because he has a lot of chip spots. <laughs> oh
5: yeah. Monday, October 14th, and welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. I am your co-host, Matthew Zachary, and I am a proud 17-year young adult survivor of brain cancer.
3: And I'm your co-host, Annie Goodman, journalist and young adult breast cancer survivor, and we're your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show.
5: It is not okay that 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year, so... Got cancer? Under 40? Sucks, huh? Time to get busy living, folks, because the Stupid Cancer Show
0: is changing the world one chemo infusion at a time. I'm Kenny Kane, co-founder of Stupid Cancer, welcoming all of our first-time and returning listeners on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, iHeartRadio Talk, or listening to the archives at stupidcancershow.org.
3: On tonight's show, Think Before You Pink. It's October, which means pinkwashing and corporate abuse for the cause of breast cancer awareness. Join us as we welcome our friends, Dr. Angela Wall and Annie Sarter from Breast Cancer Action. Think Before You Pink, be a smart advocate, and learn how to fight back against the system. And special guest, John Green, in the Survivor Spotlight. And I'm Maureen
1: Sweet, Chief Everything Else Officer here at Stupid Cancer, and I will be live-tweeting throughout the broadcast at Chemodex, so send me your questions and feedback at any time with the hashtag #scradio.
3: Whoa, that is excited crowd. The audience is large tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
5: we have a really big group tonight Backhouse. on the show. Yeah, is that, that not the
0: usual self-aggratiating
5: applause? <laughs> no, the usual self-aggratiating applause. Is this.
0: Yeah. That was like the no evidence of disease applause.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Good job. That was fancy. Yeah. Hello, everyone.
3: Hello. Hi.
0: How are you? Good. I thought you were imitating the intro. Oh. I was going to say, I'm Ken Brockman. (laughs) Kenny, October 14th. (laughs)
5: How are you guys? Annie, what's up?
3: Oh, nothing much. You know, same old, same old.
5: What you been doing?
3: Um, I don't know. I had to think about it,
0: super exciting weekend. Yes, yeah, clearly, yeah. clearly.
3: Uh, yeah, I had a kind of I laid low. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Okay. Well, good for you. Keep your head down. I am envious, yeah. jealous, and all the other things. that. Why go with were you that. busy? Yeah, I was a little busy, but Maureen, you 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 had a good weekend.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm. Am I a leaf peeper now? I don't like that phrase at all. <laughs> you know, but I've been to New England two weekends in a row. Um, you are
5: Barry Manilow.
1: I, I guess so. I will I will not sing that song, although I am familiar with it. Um. I went up to New Haven and I was also at West Point for a day this weekend, so I was uh hopping around the northeast
5: a little bit. So what's up with that? You are the uh you are like the Fodor's of stupid cancer.
1: Is that what I am? Yeah. Okay.
5: You know what Fodor's
1: is? It's a travel guide. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Well, if you're ever interested in going to West Point, go to a football game. Right. Um
5: Yeah, I'm not actually going to go there.
1: And uh, <laughs> I've yeah, been it, before. Yeah.
5: Yeah, some sports stuff happened this weekend I'm
1: aware of. <laughs> Yeah, the Browns lost. That was a rough one. Okay. So, yeah. of the, so yeah. of the Jets, the Giants that's lost again. That's Owens football, right? Yeah. Okay.
0: Did the Indians lose again too? The yeah. Indians
1: aren't playing anymore. We can't lose anymore. I <laughs> held
0: a football <laughs> this weekend.
1: You held a football. That is progress. I know.
0: Doesn't <laughs> count.
5: Well done. Well done, Kenny. What's up?
0: Uh, not too much. Annie and I separately had a low key weekend.
3: Yeah. Okay. Good. Sometimes you need one of those. There
0: were motorcycles involved. that... On mine,
3: I don't know about any Oh, yeah. yeah, no. I'm a little too scared of those.
0: Well, I was in
5: Miami at the annual Colon Cancer Alliance conference, and in the interest of discussing progress that young adults are making, the entire breadth and scope of the CCA universe now has an under-50 component. And the reason yeah. they do under-50 and under-40 is because screenings start at 50.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: So it's every bit as universal as our movement in young adult land, but now they have specific tracks, specific meetings, specific dialogue, and, and, and uh, whatnot, what about under 50. And it was really exciting to see the crowd at this conference. There were about 250 people, 300 people. Most of them were between 40 and 65, when the average age of colon cancer is 72. So hmm. a, a younger crowd is coming to this conference, and I was very proud to be there. I was on a panel. With some really inspiring people. And uh, we talked about how to be your own advocate and how to use social media and print media, how to catch your story, like a writing workshop without actually any writing. It was good.
1: Sounds very cool.
5: Yes. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Did you get some sun while you were down there?
5: I was indoors the entire time staring at the bay.
1: Okay. Was it a lovely bay? It was a
5: lovely bay. Good. Was Biscayne good.
1: Bay. I'm not familiar. Would
0: it's... you go back
5: there? Yeah.
0: Would you live there? No. Why?
5: Flooding and tornadoes and Did hurricanes. You see Jamie
0: Fox on like a, a drug boat? <laughs> <laughs>
5: My, Don Johnson came to get me. Yes, that's yeah. what happened. Taking
0: a to Marino? South
3: Beach. Yes. Yeah. I I do like South Beach, but I wouldn't want to live there. You know why? Because I and this is horrible, and I guess this might be a product of being from Long Island. I think of South Florida as God's waiting room. I got to
5: oh. say there were a mm-hmm. lot of elderly people in the hotel, not mm-hmm. part of the conference, but. Mm-hmm maybe they have the right
0: idea. <laughs> <laughs>
5: exactly. They figured it out. So we also yeah. had our our uh, inaugural boot camp in Denver, Maureen, Updates yes, on that? Yes, we
1: did. Uh we had an event in Denver. We had about 45 young adult survivors come out for an event called What's Next? um getting busy living uh beyond stupid cancer. And so we we were we partnered with LLS out there. Um and it was a really great event, really good day, we, and we were able to give away a couple travel scholarships through it. the OMG 2014 Summit, very which nice. was very exciting. Um, So yeah, it was our, our first time doing that kind of event out in Denver, and shout out to the Mountain West for for coming together.
5: And coming uh, what's up with uh, Instapier? For those of you not aware, we are, we are crowdfunding for a, uh, a revolutionary mobile health app that I believe will cure isolation from cancer. <clears throat>
0: We have 78 new best friends.
5: That is amazing. We have raised so far, what are the numbers here?
0: $5,738. We are currently at 11% of $50,000. That's amazing. Yes.
5: 5738 in a week.
0: Just one week into the
1: campaign, yeah.
5: 78 Believers, 36 days to go. Instapeer.org. We really need your help. We don't do a lot of... Fundraising. This isn't really NPR or Channel Thirteen, but
0: uh, this is us selling cookies in front of the grocery. Yes, store. exactly. This is our and your mint chip, whatever. Yeah. they are. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Thin mints, and we're gonna have Maureen bartending soon to raise money. Yeah, yes, Andy, New York tell City. us about
5: when is your. Uh,
3: yeah, so I think it's October twenty third. That day, Right. Yeah, next Wednesday. Yeah, we I uh, we're putting together a fundraiser for Stupid Cancer in New York City, and Maureen is going to tend bar. So that should be fine. For the yes. first time in my life. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so, uh, gonna, so bring me an, all your tough drink requests. There's an
3: app
5: for that.
1: Okay. I yeah. will download it. <laughs> so
0: we need to get yeah. you one of those bottle openers that you, like, keep in your belt or back pocket that you, like, all night just whip out. Yeah. and I, I need to be fully equipped for this. Right. With like, a stupid
3: cancer, it, like, sexy tank top or something. Yeah, we could. They're coming. Yeah.
0: Are they
1: going to be They'll here? They'll be here this week. All oh,
5: right.
3: Sweet. I will have, a, I will
1: have tips, a tank top on. Tips.
5: Very nice.
3: There yeah.
1: All of my tips are going to Instapure, by the way, so tip me well. Oh,
5: wait, all right. Well, then the slinkier, sexier
0: thing they, you wear, you yep. will get more tips. So yes. There you go. Yep. Exactly. Do not sacrifice your dignity. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do. <laughs> <laughs> what if what you dignity do? I had left. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well. Okay, moving on.
5: <laughs> well, all right. It's... Uh, <laughs> And then tomorrow, Kenny and I are going out to Los Angeles because our board chairman. It's our honeymoon. It is our honeymoon. Aww. It's It's actually it is, it's, time, it's three and a half years, officially, right, my no, love? No, it's more than that. Almost four years. Wow. It, almost is, no, years. it, it is almost four years. It is almost common
0: law. I emailed you. I'll figure it out. But I emailed you September or something of 2009.
5: Wow. It is honeymoon. Aww. My love. Oh, my dear. We're going out to Los Angeles because our board chairman, Dr. Leonard Sender, is one of the country's premier uh, pediatric, adolescent, and young adult oncologists is launching something really incredible that I always put as a major bookmark accolade for the young adult cancer movement. Most people have heard of the uh, the um, New England Journal of Medicine. Mm-hmm. The cancer version of that is called the Journal of Clinical Oncology. So that is the de facto gold standard published book where everything medical happens. There is now a young adult version of the Journal of Clinical Oncology called the Journal of Adolescent and Young Adult Oncology, J-A-Y-A-O. And tomorrow and Wednesday, Thursday, is the kickoff launch party and conference for the Society for Adolescent and Young Adult Oncology, which is the leadership think tank behind the journal. So this is a really big deal. This is very exciting stuff. So, my dear, we will enjoy a flight, a hotel, a rental car. And all the other treatments that come with what I expect at my four-year anniversary. No and I will have wow. a
1: keg delivered to the office.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: I and Maureen's gonna be flying solo.
1: Yeah, I'll be I'll be running it all by myself. Nice, holding it down.
0: Yes, exactly. Still trying to find this email. I will find it throughout the show. Oh, we believe you, Kenny, for sure.
1: It'll be in the closing banter. Yes.
0: yes. Okay. We'll do all right. Well, you. let's uh,
5: let's get to our uh, our survivor spotlight here came to us by way of a friend at one of the ad agencies we partner with. John Green was diagnosed with AML in November of 2010 after a successful stem cell marrow transplant in 2011. He's almost back to normal, uh, biking to work most days and catching as many fish shows as possible. We love anyone that uh, listens to fish here. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, John Green. John.
2: Hello. Hello. Hey, guys.
5: How you doing, buddy? Thanks for
2: having me. It's I'm th- doing great. How are you guys doing?
5: It's uh doing? Yeah, it's, it's our pleasure to have you. We're very excited. And like I said, any friend of uh shout-out to Mike Parisi He's a friend of ours. Right on. Yes. So let's let's just uh, get started. Let's dig down right into it. You, um, what was your life like in, let's just say, October of 2010? And uh, have it, all this fun and games just get started.
2: Wow. wow. Um you know, the thing about AML, or I guess most kinds of leukemia, is they kind of come on pretty quick. Um, I was pretty healthy uh, leading up to it, and, you know, in sort of late September, early October, just started feeling very fatigued, you know, with having shortness of breath, having other kind of weird symptoms. Um, and pretty quickly, within probably four or five weeks, um you know, I knew something really bad was going on and uh but it took me a while to kinda of get get sort of you know get the when I first saw my doctor, you know, they didn't they didn't they thought it was a virus and it's very hard to diagnose this stuff. But um yeah, by sort of early November they figured out what it was and uh it it, it obviously wasn't good from there.
5: So did you go to the doctor, did you complain and get ignored? Where were you living at the time?
2: sure so i was in san francisco um actually i just had or my my younger uh, youngest child was about 6 months old um you know it's funny i was probably part of the one of the one of the complications here was that really when i started to feel horrible we had this trip planned it was my buddy's 5 year anniversary um and my wife and i and the kids were going to uh have a trip planned to mexico and we said, you know, should we cancel the trip and it's not feeling great? And it's like, no, we'll do it, and when I go back, we'll go to the doctor. Of course, we're good out of Mexico, we're partying, we're in the sun, you know, all the stuff that you probably shouldn't be doing when you're dying, right? And um when I get back I go to the doctor, but they didn't they didn't do any blood tests, right? They just kind of they looked at the symptoms. By this time I had a fever, I had all kinds of symptoms. They just wanted to sort of treat me with antibiotics you know, go home, rest, you know, and somehow even with my compromised immune system, which of course I didn't know I had at the time, I was able to fight all that stuff off. And when I went back to the follow-up appointment, it was, it was like two weeks later, and all these original symptoms of like shortness of breath had gotten horrible. And it got to the point where, I mean, you talked about in my intro how I bike to work. Forget about biking to work. I could barely walk up a flight of stairs without my heart beating, you know, a million times a minute and being totally out of breath. So finally they uh, – they drew blood. They had me do a cardio workup. They did all this stuff, and um, they they found out what it was. Wow.
3: Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds unfortunately pretty similar to a lot of other stories we've heard. of People diagnosed also with AML. So then, how did it all roll into the testing where you found out that you had it?
2: Um, you know, it was. When <laughs> they gave me the results. So it's it's funny, while they were processing, you know, the blood draw, like I said, I was having this cardio workup and they, the good news was like, my cardio was fine. The guy just couldn't figure out why I was getting winded so fast. You know, it's interesting looking back, I think if I had, you know, they tell you not to, you know, Google your symptoms and don't try to be your own doctor. But looking back, if I had kind of looked all the stuff up, it probably would have been pretty easy to diagnose. I just, don't think people are looking for that, right I mean that so my primary care physician, you know he's seen me for he had seen me for a couple of years at that point, and he knew I was pretty healthy. I didn't think he was looking for that right so um but once they found it, it was like i think what he said to me was based on these numbers, he didn't even know how I was conscious, so he said you know you're gonna we're gonna you're gonna go across the street and it, they're gonna admit you right now, and you're probably gonna start chemo like tomorrow, so it went from Um, And I I understand When I went in there for the follow-up appointment I told my primary care physician And this is kind of the first This is one of the first sort of eye-openers About having to drive your own care I told my primary care physician That I was not leaving Until he figured out what was wrong with me Because at that point I knew that I was I could feel it. I was close to death I didn't know what was wrong with me But I knew that it it really wasn't good And I wasn't going to have him send me home they did didn't think did I was you, make it. John, did, and, you, did
5: you feel uh, like they just weren't paying attention to you or that they, they were dismissing that this could be something
2: much, much more serious? No, I, you know, I don't really blame them. I think it was a combination of things. I think the first thing is that I took too long to get in there for the initial appointment because we decided to take the trip to Mexico. Um, and even at the first appointment, we talked about should we draw blood or not. And we both kind of decided, you know, that it wasn't necessarily the right thing to do. That you know, antibiotics and rest, given the symptoms, was probably the right thing. Um, and for most of the symptoms that I had, it was probably, you know, 99 times out of 100, that's probably the right thing to do. And the second time when I came back for the follow-up, it took it took a little bit longer than it probably should have to get that appointment scheduled. Probably some my fault, some their fault. But when I went in there and told them straight up that, you know, yeah, all the fever's gone and all that, but the original symptoms persist and something's really wrong and I'm not leaving here till I figure out till you guys figure out what it is, they took it very seriously. And that's when they they said, all right, we're going to do the whole thing. We're going to do the cardio, we're going to do blood, we're going to do chest x ray, all that stuff. And I think the take home of all of this is that it's really important to sort of drive your own care. Um even if you have you know, even if you have a great doctor, you think you have a great doctor, like these guys are human, right? They're, they're just yeah. looking at data. they're not living your life. They don't know. You have to be extremely proactive. You have to tell them you know every possible data point. you have to um, don't just take the, you have to question everything. You don't have to question it in like a rude way, but you just question everything right
5: well uh, do, are you, have you always been like naturally precocious and self-advocating, or did you think that this was a, a wake-up call that forced you to have to take this position for yourself?
2: a good yeah, great question you know i've been with the exception of like one kidney stone back in like 2005 i'm probably one of the healthiest people you could meet right i i was one of those that that was you know, looking at the deductions in my paycheck every week and saying, why am I doing this medical coverage thing? This is so dumb because I've been in, you know, I've been working for 10, whatever, 15 years. And other than like a routine doctor's appointment to get a checkup and maybe to get my teeth cleaned, I am totally not getting what I'm putting into this. Um, that obviously turned around in spades because my hospital bills obviously were north of a million bucks right. um, through this whole ordeal. But I never had to. Certainly in terms of medical care, uh, it was never an issue. I never even had to think about advocacy, mine or anybody else's.
3: So you had one small child when you were diagnosed. Did you have any time to think or to even discuss with your doctors about the possibility of preserving fertility?
2: Actually, so I had two small kids. I had um, my older son was two and a half, and my younger son was six months old, Um obviously not great timing um and interestingly i it's, it's kind of funny um you know my wife was is definitely was and probably still is interested in having uh another child um i am not <laughs> this has <laughs> nice. always been one of the uh, points of contention in our uh, in our relationship i think she would have been fine if we had a boy and a girl she really wanted a girl right but we have two boys um, which somehow, someway, I kind of knew I was going to have. So, no, I wasn't thinking about that at all. In fact, um, I didn't even know that it was going to be an issue. That's the, you know, some, that's kind of one thing that, I don't know, maybe they – I don't remember when I found out that that was an issue. I don't know if it was before chemo or after. Um, but I'm not um, – I probably wouldn't have done it even if I were given the choice. But the other thing is, interestingly, during my recovery, I met another AML survivor who said the same thing, that they told him that he wasn't going to be able to have kids, yet he and his wife were walking around the outdoor mall in Corte Madera with four kids, two of which he had after his transplant. Um, So his advice to me was to go get tested if I didn't want to have any kids. If I was going to use this as a a means of contraception, I should think twice. And I actually did go get tested. And while my count isn't isn't normal, it's it's definitely there. So um, maybe a testament to either my own strength or the strength of my donor.
3: And where did your stem cells come from? Who is, who was your donor? How was the whole transplant process? Did you get to meet them?
2: Yeah. So this is actually a really cool story, and it's it's very timely because I had an international donor. And I don't know how. I mean, you guys probably know this. Maybe a lot of your listeners don't. When you get an international donor, of course, you have no. When you do anonymous donor, you have no control, right? They match you up with the best possible match. They do all the typing and all this stuff. My donor happened to come from Germany, which I only found out a few months ago because um, with most uh, transplants, if they're if they're um, national, if they're within the states you can request contact uh, after one year. So one year post-transplant, if you're doing well, you can request contact. And, you know, the whole process, you have to say, I want to make contact. The registry makes contact with the registry for the donor and asks him, does he want to make contact? If he says yes, they put you together and you can, you can start contacting, right? So, excuse me, I made the request a year in and they said, Well, actually, you're going to have to wait another year because your donor is from Germany. And that was the first time I heard that he was international. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool, except now I have to wait another year. Um, So come this spring, so my transplant was March 30th, 2011. So come this spring, I was going to make contact, but I had a minor setback, not related to the leukemia. Leukemia is totally gone, yay, but I had a... Um, small carcinoma on my lip which they think came from uh, sun exposure during my recovery that just never healed right so one of the things they do is they tell you you know don't make contact typically you want to make contact when you're doing well so we waited till I got that taken care of I had some simple nose surgery everything went fine with that no problem I had a follow up with with the dermatologist recently. That's all good too. So leukemia is in remission. The dermatology thing went great. So I'm like, all right, time to make contact again. Well, then uh, this is this is like just one of the most exciting things in the world. If there's any plus side of having an anonymous donor and having to deal with the stem cell marrow, stem cell marrow transplant, it's that when you connect with your donor. And it's probably not this way for everybody, but I have made such an awesome connection with this dude. He's from the small town in Germany. He's like 28 years old. He and his girlfriend just had a baby. He is massively into sports like I am. Um, He's like a rabid fan of his soccer team. Um, And, uh, you know, we just, we started Facebook messaging like every day and sending pictures to each other. And, um, I, I literally, we literally eat a message every day. Like when I wake up, right before I go to bed, it's like when he wakes up. Right, so nine hours ahead, because I'm in I'm in California, and um, I want to fly them out here. We're we're talking about you know figuring out when him and his girlfriend and his baby might be able to come in the spring or something. They've never been to California. Then he's never even been on a plane. He's he's like he's been to other places in Europe, right? But they go everywhere by train, so. He was fascinated by the fact that I'm from San Francisco. Um, he's always thought, like, the Golden Gate Bridge like the coolest thing, and he's had dreams of like going to see it. And so, you know, I'm going to help him make those dreams a reality because I can, you know, I'm in a decent enough space right now where I can, I can afford to do that. I'm in a good place in my life, um, and he's a young kid, so I want to uh, do everything I can for him.
5: So And that's extraordinary. We've had so many people on the show with these wonderful success stories being matched. Uh, and they, they can get humorous, too. We had someone on the show who uh, had a transplant from a female but was male. So he now has female DNA, even though he's a man. And then we have other ones where uh, they now have like African-American blood, but they're Asian-American. It, it's extraordinary to have this amazing technology working for us today. I wanted to ask you one more question because we're going to run out of the time in a minute. This show is all about the isolation and unique issues faced by young adults. We're, we're not necessarily any more special in the cancer world, but we're very different. And, you know, I founded Stupid Cancer as an organization to help bring a voice to our generation, to raise awareness for the fact that we're underserved, and to build connections. So my question is, were you introduced at all, this other leukemia survivor, were you introduced at all to the young adult world when you were diagnosed? And if not, um, is it something that you believe uh, was an inequity that you're upset about?
2: Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I'm not sure how um, – I may be a little different than most. People in this regard, in case you can't tell, I'm an extremely outgoing person, I'm one of the most extreme extroverts you'll ever meet and my approach, yeah everybody's got their own approach to how they deal with this. My approach from the from the get go was that this whole ordeal was gonna be just a simple bump in the road. It was you know obviously when the news hit, it's like okay, it's a shock, but literally within about twenty four hours. I had my outlook on things. Um, I created a blog. I blogged my entire experience. Um, And through that, it was less about me wanting to necessarily reach out and more about me wanting to kind of document my experience in hopes that it could help others. Um, And that's... so, So it wound up... It wound up being an amazing experience, um, very empowering as well, and, and helped contribute to my goal of just having this positive outlook. Because I would have these other leukemia, you know, patients, and either survivors or people who just got diagnosed, and you know, obviously searching around the web, they would find my blog and look at what I was going through, and were sort of very happy that I was documenting everything and wanted to ask me questions, and you know, so I, what, what turned out to, what started out as a, as a a way for me to, you know, inform my friends and family because I was just, as as you know, know, everybody checks in with you and they want to know what's going on, and all you want to do is, like, rest, or for me, I want to work. Um, But this was a way that I could tell people what's going on, but it turned into sort of much more than that. Uh, From the contact side of things, and and just before I – i uh, started listening tonight, I think I heard you guys mention the l l s the l l s was extremely helpful to me. They had a couple of volunteers at u c s f where I got treated in san francisco um and and based on that, they hooked me up with the first connection program so it, it the so the contact that I made was to, with other people was through l l s and wasn't necessarily um young adult related right they they tried to match me up with people who were like me I'm sure you guys are familiar, and I'm sure your audience is familiar with the, that program yeah um, that was awesome that was absolutely awesome and through that uh I decided that I wanted to join and i I now am a member um of the first connection program, and uh you know whenever they want to hook me up with people, I think I've spoken to only two people so far. Um, but I'm happy to speak to more. And I've also become a staunch advocate of, of LLS. And through the company that I work for um, this year, we raised over $200,000 for the LLS um, through the annual Light the Night Walk that um, my company, Salesforce.com, is uh, participating in almost two dozen Light the Night Walks across the country. So um, good things come out of this, you know?
5: Yes, very inspiring stuff. I really congratulate you. It's It's been amazing to... To connect with you, you are a great success story and I'm glad you're available for other people to know that uh you know that you exist, you're a success story. People can aspire to survive as as with as much dignity as you have. So thank you for being on the show tonight.
2: Thank you. Uh, and if uh, if I if I could, uh, let me just get can I give out the URL to my blog? Absolutely, so of course.
5: Out? Yes, please do.
2: sure. sure. It's JG, like my initials, JGWKIA dot com. It stands for JG will kick its ass.
5: Lovely. So,
2: J- <laughs> so uh, that's
5: pretty in sync with what we'd <laughs> expect you know, it to be.
2: If anybody's interested in, in you know reading more about like the contact I made with my donor and how that all went around, like I said, any any, any part of the transplant um, and the aftercare, which you know wasn't easy. Um, it's all documented. I blogged pretty much every part of the journey uh, in hopes that it can help people that are going through the same thing.
5: John Green, thank you for being on the Stupid Cancer Show. Good luck, and we hope to uh, talk to you soon.
2: Thanks, guys. Thank you. All righty.
5: <laughs> okay, let's uh, breeze through the news here.
0: Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Alright Matthew, you can head on over to stupidcancer.org Click the big connect button on the right Your one stop shop calendar for all of our social and educational events Nationwide Something could be happening in your neck of the woods And we certainly don't want you missing out We have a ton of stuff happening As I don't take my own advice and click the button New York City, Raleigh, (laughs) North Carolina Denver, Colorado, Billings, Montana And Irvine, California Tomorrow night, Matt and I will be there Uh, And finally, West Chicago, Illinois Very nice Okay, like we said at the top
5: of the show, presenting Instapeer, our revolutionary mobile app that has the potential to end isolation and connect people with those who've walked in your shoes. You can help Stupid Cancer reach our $50,000 goal to bring this amazing app to life by visiting org. Watch our video. Join our army of friends, fans, supporters, and backers.
0: Matt, save the date. OMG 2014, the 7th Annual OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults. Next April at the Palm's Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. Visit OMG2014.org to join the mailing list. we got some uh, notifications coming out soon. And join the official Facebook group. The fall season is upon us, so it's time to stock up on some new threads, like a Stupid Cancer hoodie, some hats, gloves, and more.
5: Surf on over to StupidCancerStore.org anytime for great deals on great products year-round. Be proud. And where Stupid Cancer?
0: If you can hear this, you know the Stupid Cancer Show is all new broadcasting in stunning HD. We know you can't listen to each and every live show, so be sure to subscribe for free anytime on iHeartRadio Talk, Apple iTunes Podcast, or right here on Blog Talk Radio. In addition, you can visit stupidcancershow.org anytime to get connected. And thanks for listening. And that is is your Stupid Cancer News.
3: And now it's time for our main event. It is October. Pink is everywhere. So we're going to be talking to the Breast Cancer Action. They've declared it toxic. Time is up. They're calling to end pink washing through chemical regulation. And joining us is Dr. Angela Wall. She's uh, Breast Cancer Action's head of strategic communications and media relations. And also joining her is Annie Sarter. She leads Breast Cancer Action's national campaigns and public advocacy. Welcome, Dr. Angela Wall and Annie Sarter.
5: Hey guys. Hi. This is our fourth anniversary with you on the show.
6: It is. Thanks for having
5: us. Every year, you the seat is yours, guaranteed for life.
0: <laughs>
5: Very excited wow. to uh, have you on the show, and especially as much as I love your organization, now that you're entering the, the left corner of my brain, which is environmental activism, uh, I'm even more excited to have you on and talk about what you're up to, what you're up against, and uh, to make you aware that I've been working with Lindsay Dahl over at Safer Chemicals Healthy Families to understand the issues around Tosca and the passing of Frank Lautenberg and how do we change the narrative and get people excited about you know this what, what kind of needs to happen. So with all that preface, thank you for moving in that direction with your organization. So let's just start for our listeners. What is... Breast Cancer Action, either one of you.
4: Okay, this is Angela. I'm going to pick that one up. So Breast Cancer Action is um, primarily an an activist organization that does education and um, outreach to really take action to address and end this breast cancer epidemic. And what we see as the big issues are um, kind of our involuntary environmental exposure um, to all the crap that 's out there that 's unregulated, as you just pointed out um that makes its way into our bodies on a daily basis um that it that we kind of address the fact that you know too often in a lot of the work that 's done or not done, patients are not the priority, and so our organization makes sure that in all the things we do, we put patients first, and that means whether we're Um, at the FDA, uh, talking about drugs that are up for approval. You know, we're looking uh, through the science and through the data to make sure that these drugs are actually doing something to bring cheaper, more effective, less toxic treatment to people living with breast cancer. And then finally, it's kind of really addressing the root causes of inequities and looking at why it is that there are inequities in breast cancer and why... um, Even though maybe more women or more white women are getting diagnosed with the disease, um, women of color die at a higher rate. And so we're kind of we're you know kind of we've been called the bad girls of breast cancer. We don't necessarily um, always say things that people want to hear, um, but we tell the truth as it is and we call it out because women are dying, people are dying, and we need to address and end this
3: epidemic. And Annie, why don't you? There you go. Oh, that was uh, very good explanation you must
5: you must work for them
3: <laughs> oh,
4: yeah i mean yeah. I'm, I'm on their payroll <laughs> yeah.
3: so annie why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and a little bit about toxic time is up
6: yeah great thank you again for having us on and uh I like hearing that you are in touch with Lindsay Dahl. She's I think exactly the right person to be talking to about toxic local reform. Uh but to your question, I I come from an environmental activist background and I've spent um time in my former lives working around climate change, uh air pollution, around coal issues, um coal and oil. Uh, as they relate to impacts on human health, but also climate. And so I come from an environmental background, and I think that that was one of the things that they liked about me <laughs> when I came on here at Breast Cancer Action, uh, because the issue is very relevant, as, as Angela described, talking about the involuntary exposures that we all uh that we all encounter every day in our daily lives is one of the key components of Breast Cancer Action's work and that it fit very well this year during Pinktober uh, because we are so bombarded by Pink Urban products every year this time of year, and so many of those products contain hazardous chemicals. That are unregulated or underregulated and have mounting evidence that they are linked to health harms and get people sick, including with many cancers including breast cancer so the idea around toxic time is up was born when we you know we continue to see the marketplace flooded with pink ribbon products every year, so many of these products are have hazardous ingredients, and rather than going product by product, chemical by chemical, we wanted to zoom out a little bit and do something really meaningful and demand comprehensive, strong, uh, very meaningful chemical reform so that we can get rid of pinkwashing altogether and protect all of
0: us.
3: So I'm on your website, and I see images of KFC in a pink bucket and a pink bottle of what looks like vodka and a pink cuisine, all things that I try to stay away from. Having had breast cancer, I probably ate all that crap before. Um, I can't say that I always stay away from vodka, though. So <laughs> she
0: so,
5: does. She does. She's involved with stupid cancer, you know. Yeah.
3: So. <laughs> so you know, it's obvious to people who are relatively in touch with being healthy that you should not have Kentucky Fried Chicken and you should not eat. Frozen packaged meals that are packed with chemicals, but what are some products that you guys as an organization from research feel are toxic beyond things that we're eating? you know I know you guys have issues with products that have pink you know pink ribbons, pink labels on it what are so tell us some of the products that people should be looking out for
4: well, I mean you know the interesting thing about this, this is angela is, you know, there, there are products that, you know, that, so there's, there's there's a couple of things that we know, right, that, that has been, you know, pretty unequivocally linked to an increased risk of, of of cancer, and those are kind of exhaust fumes and and alcohol. The issue, beca- I mean, and we can, we can go through product by product, but the issue becomes that the burden of responsibility and the burden of proof actually should not rest with individuals, right? It shouldn't rest with individual women. We shouldn't all be running around this world concerned about whether or not we're buying the right products because too many people in this world can't go ahead and make decisions based on um you know whether or not this product is good for me it's about what it costs and whether i can afford it and whether it's in my budget and so the purpose of this you know, the, our toxic time is up campaign is really centered around the burden of responsibility. Yes, we all have a small amount of responsibility to, to, to live a healthy life. But at the end of the day, the government has a bigger responsibility to make sure that those toxic chemicals aren't out there in the first place. And, and the problem with the way that many of these chemicals are regulated is that people can hide behind trade secrets. So, for example, let's take fragrances. All right, I mean, we had a campaign a few years ago um, that was around a perfume put out by one of the major breast cancer charities. That you know we had. You can say Coleman;
5: they're not a sponsor. Don't worry.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we had independently tested, you know, and it said it was wholesome, it was good, it was good, you know, it was, it was a natural product, you know, and it contained fragrances. Well, you know, fortunately for for most large manufacturing organisations. You know, you can you can hide behind the label fragrance because you, you're protected by your trade secrets because those are the things that people will say, well, we can't give away that because that, that's that's our patent. That's for how we make our money. And so there are so many loopholes that what we are working to do with this campaign is to say, you know what, we need shift the burden of responsibility the burden of responsibility to protect our health needs to be on the manufacturers and and the government to keep us safe not to individuals to have to walk around you know with a full head of knowledge on them as though they were PhDs in you know epidemiology being able to read the label and read all the you know, and understand what the chemical compounds are that's not okay and you know so 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 this is you know we could we could list product by product by product and it's not about saying hey look well, isn't everything bad for you. It's about saying there are some things that we know out there are significantly bad for our health. People are getting pretty rich off it and other people are getting incredibly sick around it.
5: Okay, so it's my turn to be a Republican, which I'm not.
4: Oh, yay. Okay.
5: (laughs) Prove to me that these unregulated chemicals actually kill people.
4: Prove to me that they don't. Well, and I,
6: just to jump in also, there's... It's this is Annie. There's all there's there's quite a lot of evidence around around links. So if you look at broader categories, so you look at phthalates and BPA and plastic or parabens and personal care products or flame retardants that are in, you know, clothing, apparel, or furniture, carpets, couches. Um also, you know, Angela mentioned fragrances that you can find in scented products. Like candles or air fresheners or cleaning products there's we live in a world where there's so many of these products and there's so many of these chemicals the you know the estimate is that there's over eighty thousand of these synthetic chemicals that are in our daily lives it's really hard to determine a causal relationship right there's just so many variables there're so we're we're all exposed to thousands of chemicals before we get out out the door in the morning and so to say that one chemical is causing you know x effect in people it's quite hard especially since we don't do human testing right we don't round up people in a lab and rub bpa on them until something happens
5: nice that'd be i want to do that
6: that would be that would be questionable right <laughs> but we do there's there is mounting evidence you know there was another study that came out on b p a which is again found in plastics, linking b p a to uh, mammary gland tumors and so it's its there's a relationship right, and it does become the question of how much information is enough and we would say that for a lot of these chemicals, like some of those that I just mentioned enough evidence is available to act and it's time to act and at, at what point do we stop effectively testing on people by allowing the chemicals to go unregulated
5: but it seems like the uh, argument is very much like the gmo argument like whether it kills you or not we have the right to know correct
6: yes and also there's it's it's about it's about taking taking action right rather than waiting for enough evidence to mount you know we could we could absolutely wait 10 20 50 years and wait for everybody to you know have solid proof that bpa causes breast cancer i i don't know that i need that the the bar to be that high i would say that we have enough proof there's there's been sufficient evidence to act and there's and what it comes down to is shifting our culture from you know doing everything that we can to avoid the evidence and put off acting acting to protect women um versus deciding that there's a lower that we can have a lower bar that we can use to protect people and planet
4: and um, the other question i would bring in is why wouldn't we why wouldn't we do something that ultimately will Potentially protect people's health. What's the downside of this? The da- you know, I mean, there, there is no downside of this when it comes to women's health.
3: This is so all, that. yeah. This is all very true. And you're being
5: logical. You have yeah. to stop now.
3: So I know Are we shocking you. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so I, you know, I had breast cancer about a year and a half ago. I finished treatment less than a year ago, and um, I am. Full disclosure, I am in a campaign this year for the Breast Cancer Research Foundation through the SA Lauder companies, and um, I do give a lot of credit to companies who, in my opinion, uh, donate a lot of money to breast cancer research and awareness. Uh, SA Lauder companies donate $5 million uh, just this year alone and 40000000 million-something dollars since they started their breast cancer awareness campaign, so you know, I do kind of, you know, for some companies, I do defend them for they do a lot of good work and they do donate a lot of money. And I think there is a fine line of corporate responsibility where I think a lot of these companies that are so focused on women's products and selling products that, um, you know, appeal to women, I personally feel that they feel tremendous amount of pressure to put out products for breast cancer, because if they don't, that I feel that they look like they're that they don't care about breast cancer Mm -hmm. and women so what do you think about that as far as you know just how widespread and across so many companies that appeal to women having to sell something whether it be a bracelet a necklace a sweatshirt a pair of shoes anything
4: you know I think you know you're you're absolutely right you know we we live in a culture right where people i mean and especially you know around women and consumption right that now that the 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 kind of reality is if, it, if it's october and you are a, a big women's cosmetic company or some kind of um company, a manufacturer that is engaged in marketing to women, that you look like a complete schmuck if you're not doing anything that's pink ribbon or pink related. And and that's a sad state of affairs because there are a lot of other things that corporations can be doing. And unfortunately, you know, I mean, I, I, or fortunately, you know, I think you're absolutely right. The Estee Lauder, the Estee Lauder Foundation, a lot of the, the very early pink ribbon kind of promoters we're doing a lot that has got that, that that got us somewhere right they were doing a lot around awareness campaigns i think the 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 downside of marketing campaigns is that as they escalate and as they develop over the years, they have to consistently outdo themselves and unfortunately I think now we're getting to this place where the outdoing themselves is actually getting into the place, uh, the space that's harmful to women's health and so, you know, I would love to see that, you know, and it would be a a tremendous thing to be done if Estee Lauder, for example, would would turn its attention to the very products that they're putting out, you know, and recognize, you know, if, if we're if we're you know we, we need to step it up because there's a lot on the line here, yes, we've done a lot and we can do even more and we can take some of those harmful products out of our those harmful ingredients out of our products because as our history shows, we care about women's health, you know but Unfortunately, a lot of these big corporations aren't just beholden to, you know, their individual founders anymore, who maybe had the, the you know, the great idea to bring more awareness to breast cancer in the first place. They're now beholden to stakeholders, shareholders, and bottom lines, and you know, it's it's become big business. And I think you know, it, it, it's a dilemma that women like you, women all over the place, face year in year out, and. And it's 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 a, you know it, it's a tough one, and I think that organisations will you know like Breast Cancer Action are you know we are here to make the observations that we make because we believe there's, a, there's a, a, a story to be told around this that is truthful and needs telling. And that's not in any way to say that, you know, the, the work you're doing to raise money, that the work anybody's doing to raise money is, is, is not is not good enough or not the right way to doing it. It's just we want to point out what we see as other ways to address this.
5: So so I'm going to turn into John Boehner again. <laughs> um, my optimism fall from grace was when I went down to D.C. to lobby a bunch of 20-something staffers about the, uh, the, the whatever the new version of the Toxic uh, Substance Control Act is going to be. And I learned about the American Chemistry Council and the American Petroleum Institute. <laughs> and, I again, I went down there only knowing from movies and television how horrible D.C. is, believing, oh, well, it's entirely possible it's not that bad. Completely ignorant, anything, willing to accept anything, and I left feeling so angry that I wrote a piece called Stupid Cancer Goes to Washington as a result. And the whole point is, is there really anything we can do realistically? And I know the answer because I like the answer, but in talking to Nancy Burenmeyer at Breast Cancer Fund and Lindsay and some other folks at Safe uh, Safe Cosmetics, what do we need to do as a society to not just rationalize that this does make sense and it is in our interest, signing a a, a change.org petition, going to D.C. to rally, how do we really move that needle forward for this reform?
6: Yeah, good question. Uh, This is Annie. I think that, you know, you've hit the nail on the head. The American Chemistry Council, the American Petroleum Institute, there are some really... Powerful people who don't want to see meaningful chemical reform move forward. They want to keep manufacturing all the chemicals that they are putting in all the products that we all use every day. Uh, it's a lot easier for them, and probably a lot more lucrative. <laughs> uh, so we have to build a movement, right? Uh, one interesting thing happened this summer was, you know, the Toxic Substances Control Act has you know, it was enacted in nineteen seventy six, everybody agrees that it's uh that it's ineffective and that it's insufficient and that it must be updated. And so this summer, the Senate Committee on uh, Public Works and the Environment uh hosted a hearing to discuss what that chemical reform should look like. And I would say that the most interesting thing that came out of that hearing was the general agreement that something must be done. And so what that means is that the fight is on. Something's going to happen. We all, everybody agrees that Tosca reform is needed, but will it be good or will it be bad? <laughs> will it be what we want or will it be what the American Chemistry Council wants? And that's exactly the logic behind toxic time is up. Our, we have a petition that you and all of the listeners can find right on the front page of bcaction.org, which basically says, "I want strong, meaningful TOSCA reform to protect people and planet." And I encourage everybody to go and sign that petition. So far we have over eleven thousand almost twelve thousand people signed that who have signed this petition and we're building a movement. We're working with Lindsay at uh Safer Chemicals Healthy Families Coalition. We're working with Nancy at Breast Cancer Fund. We're working with a lot of partners and now toxic time is up. We need to organize and we need to mobilize and we need to show a demand for chemical reform that will really protect people so that we can go up against these bad guys at the ACC and win
3: very cool. I have a personal story to share on uh pink washing as far as companies making money uh on October first, a company called teaks they sell shoes, and they're really cute. They posted a picture of women wearing these pink flats um, in the shape of a pink ribbon. And the caption said, one in eight women will develop breast cancer in her lifetime. For this Breast Cancer Awareness Month, show support for women who have fought and are fighting cancer. And I happened to see this photo uh, linked to their account on Twitter. And the first thing I did, these shoes are expensive. They're 175. dollars So I went on their website to see if they had anything regarding a donation, whether it be a flat donation or a percentage of the retail price, and there was nothing. So I sent them a message back that said, uh, you know, just asking, are there any do- are there any nonprofits who you're working with to donate if- with the purchase of these pink shoes? And they did not respond. And they respond, and then they responded to my follow-up because another person also tweeted in and said, hey, I have breast cancer, too. Are you really profiting off our disease? And it, yeah. their response was you know, no, that was not what it was meant. We wear pink to support people all year round, blah, blah, blah. And it just really ticked me off. So I took it to the support group blogs for other young women breast cancer and said, did you see this picture? This is crazy. And they claim that they make donations to breast cancer nonprofits, but with nothing to back it up or even the name of an organization, which does not prove anything to me. So they started commenting on the photo on the Facebook page. And the the comments were actually blocked or deleted and Mm -hmm. by the company. And it was very frustrating because this is a, you know, a company that has very expensive shoes and is geared towards probably my demographic. I'm 32 years old. And they're just clearly blatantly using breast cancer to sell shoes. Whereas is a pink flat going to get anyone to get a mammogram or it was like the most, I don't It's Ambiguous. So what can people it's, 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 do to actually make this stop? Because obviously commenting publicly is not going to work because these companies are taking the comments down.
4: You know, so if you want if there's a pair of pink flaps my, my suggestion is if there's a pair of pink flaps that you love, buy them. If you want to do something around breast cancer the, the organization that you think is doing the work that you think is in most need of being done or that you support write them a check directly and it doesn't you know it can be a huge check it can be a small check whatever it is you figure but that's always going to be a way more worthwhile you know action than 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 having a small amount go from you know, a, a, a purchase in a sale, you know, percentage of a purchase. Because there's no way the the pink ribbon is not trademarked. There's no, it's not licensed. There's no way to know and keep tabs on these things. So, you know, by all means, you know, if if there's stuff out there that you want to purchase, purchase it. But make your charitable giving a, a separate issue.
3: And I agree with that. And I felt like, you know. I will just buy expensive overpriced shoes somewhere else. But besides, but if they're blocked, like
4: that's hard to do. Right. Right, Yeah. Yeah.
3: But my whole thing is just companies blatantly trying to profit. How can we stop that if we're trying to public shame them and they're, and they're blocking comments or feedback?
4: So here's, here's a, here's a solution or here's a thought, right? So on, on our, On Breast Contractions page, we also have a Think Before You Pink, you know, our ongoing campaign. And we have a website, Think Before You Pink. And a couple of years ago, we created a toolkit, right, that that gives you all the things you need to start and produce your own campaign. And, you know, this – 12 years ago when we started Think Before You Pink, it was a small – you know, this was a small campaign that has since just gone tidal on us which is the other reason why we are so enthusiastic about this toxic time is up because you know change happens because people demand it and so if there's a if there's an organization if there's a corporation out there that is pissing you off go after them tell the truth about them get people rallied and rounded up you know people are pissed off around all the exploitation around pink ribbons you know there's there's enough energy out there that you know the listeners to this show you know you've got this show going you know this 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 stuff changes because people like your listeners, people like you, people like organizations like ours actually stand up and say, you know, enough is enough.
3: Yeah, it's important because it's very frustrating well, having to see that. My, my comment is that you guys have
5: actually made a difference, and that's the point that I try to make when I talk about we're not just to- tooting our own horns and complaining from a soapbox. There has been tangible change in industry because of organizations like the two of ours and i want i would love to have you just re-articulate the yoplay story for our listeners mm-hmm.
4: so yoplay Yoga um launched a campaign that was you know money they partnered with coman um for every i think it was for every lid that if every 30 lids or something that you sent from the tops of yoplay pots um play would, would send maybe 10 cents to um, to Komen. And I think the end, it ended up being that if you, you know, ate yogurt three times a day for a month and a half, it would end up that, you know, play would donate 34 cents to Komen or something like that. And so what we discovered was that, lo and behold, the the, the milk and the dairy products that were used in the manufacturing of play yogurt actually contained... Um, RBGH which is recombinant bovine growth hormone which is an artificial synthetic hormone used to stimulate milk production which is also an estrogen increaser and so is linked to increased risk of breast cancer and we mounted a campaign called YoPlay, Put a Lid On It it was a petition letter writing campaign where you know we got our members, we we broadcast it, we got people all over to help us send letters to tell YoPlay that this was you know not okay and uh within a few months they actually got in touch with us, they agreed that they were going to pull the RBGH from their um Yoplait yogurts and they did and they have. And you know, as a result of that, Dannon yogurt followed suit. Or I should say Dannon yogurt, sorry. I'm
5: <laughs> <laughs> we forgive um, you.
4: And and you know and what resulted from that was that two thirds of the dairy market went R B G H free. And that was a small grassroots campaign that, you know, that turned the tide. Now, granted, you know, it wasn't just our campaign. There was a growing building movement that was already in place that was starting to question the impact of hormone-stimulated milk. But when you come together and take these campaigns and take these, build these movements and, and tip things over the top, we have the power to make the change and, and it, it seems like we're, it's the David and Goliath story but there are many of them out there and, and unless we do it, unless we come together around campaigns like Toxic Time, time is Up you know, it, it's the public sentiment, it's the public movement, it's the power of the public voice and it really does make a difference. There are more examples out there than, than, than people will believe.
5: Leave. I'll also add in the in the, in the uh, positivity of, of progress. This new bill that's preceding Tosca has the support of ten Democrats and ten Republicans at the same yeah. time. Which again, we don't know what direction it's going to go in, but that is in itself actual progress. So. Yeah. You'll also be I mean,
4: that's the uniqueness of this moment, right? We are at a unique moment in time where the, we, we could actually, if we pull together and get this movement going, we could actually create some historic, history-making legislation that would actually do something concrete to, to stop cancel before it starts.
5: I would also point out that next week's show, next Monday, actually has uh, Lindsey Dahl, Serrata uh Tangarala and um Nancy Burenmeyer. we're going to continue the conversation in the same theme just because October is not about breast cancer. <laughs> October is about we have people's captured attention about something they should be aware of,, yeah. and we're going to tell them what we think it should be.
6: Brilliant. That's great. They will be wonderful, yes, way to make it worthwhile
5: absolutely absolutely i am sorry, I have not been out to San Francisco in a while. I really want to see you guys in person at some point <laughs> will in time forgive you but you know, yes
4: the the invitation stands.
5: Yes, yes. I will definitely let let you know the next time I am out there. Um but I again, four years uh four uh, four-year best friends. I can't thank you guys enough for coming back on the show and being your amazing selves.
4: It's a pleasure always.
5: And yeah, that,
6: thank you for having
5: us. And the next step, not that you're on the air with no pressure, but I need you guys to come exhibit at our OMG Cancer mm. Summit. You totally have to be there. All
3: right. Send us the details. <laughs> yes. Okay. You're in.
5: I'll make it worth your while. <laughs> All
3: right. We'll be there.
5: Okay. Fantastic. Angela Wall and Andy Sarter from uh, Breast Cancer Action. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you, you so
5: much. <laughs> this was a good show.
3: It was a very good show.
0: Wow. I'm very happy. Me too. It's rare, but I'm happy. I'm always happy. I'm glad that you're happy right before our honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> honeymoon anniversary. All right. The best part of
5: tomorrow is that our flight does not leave at 6 o'clock. It leaves at 1 o'clock in the afternoon.
0: That means that I can go out and do the things I do best.
5: Yes. You can go out and inebriate yourself. Indeed. Exactly. Fantastic. All right. Well, Annie, um,
0: thank you again, as always. You're
1: welcome.
5: And Maureen, you're going to man the whole ship for the whole yeah, week.
1: Yeah, yeah gonna be pretty crazy. Maybe it's... I'll do a radio show every day. <laughs> <laughs> the Maureen Sweet Stupid Cancer
5: exactly, Show. Exactly. Get ready.
4: Exactly.
5: Well, all right. Thank you, guys, and let's uh, end the show with our closing sequence.
2: Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets.
0: You ever seen a grown man naked?
2: And so to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo! You've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer.
0: Okay, folks, that's our show, our 280th broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. We'd like to thank our guest, John Green... And from Breast
5: Cancer Action, Dr. Angela Wall and Annie Starter.
3: Join us next week for the stupid environment. The environment sucks and causes cancer, true or false. What can we do? Let's find out on this episode of Stupid Cancer Show with experts Lindsay Dahl, Serrata Tangerlala, sorry, and Nancy Bjornmeier of the Breast Cancer Fund. Special guest Lori Thompson and Survivor Spotlight.
5: All right. Subscribe to our show anytime for free. On iHeartRadio, iTunes Podcast, and Blog Talk Radio, and check us out anytime at stupidcancer.org or stupidcancershow.org. Remember, folks, if it ain't stupid, it ain't cancer. Live from the Chemo Deck, on behalf of Andy Goodman, Kenny Kane, Maureen Tweet, myself, and our whole team here at the Stupid Cancer Show, thanks for tuning in, thanks for listening, and we'll see you here next Monday. Good night, folks.
6: In this war too many soldiers disturbing multiple tours. So